and welcome again to Just Plain Sense, the Equality and Diversity Podcast. Hello again, I'm Christine Burns. In the last episode, you'll remember that we looked at the year ahead in the United States and to Barack Obama's presidency. This time we're going to the other side of the world, Sydney, Australia in fact. Katrina Fox and her partner Tracy O'Keefe emigrated several years ago from Britain. Now they're LGBT activists in Australia's most iconic city. They set up an organisation called SAGE and Katrina is on the line to talk to me about it right now. Hello Katrina, welcome to Just Plain Sense. Hello Christine, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. And you've just been telling me before we started how hot it is in Australia. Oh, absolutely. It's a heat wave at the moment. Today's been one of the hottest days of the year. Everybody's been melting, but there's a nice breeze just coming through this evening, so I should be able to sleep okay, which is good. (laughs) How long is it since you left Britain? Um, We left in 2001, so uh, how many years is that? It's eight years, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, it is really. February 2001, so it'll be uh, eight years. My goodness, doesn't time fly? And are you enjoying life in Australia? Yes, we are actually. Um, it's it's uh, there's a lot happening. We're sort of we live by the beach, but we're also quite near to you know where where it's all happening, all the sort of culture centres. Um, so I suppose it's got all the sort of uh, you know the good things that uh, that London had, but uh, with some nice weather. Well, getting down to business, what does Sage stand for? Um, Sage stands for Sex and Gender Education Australia. Um, and Tracy and I was uh, Tracy was actually my, my partner. Tracy O'Keefe was one of the founding members, and she's on the steering committee. Um, and it's basically a lobbying and education and campaigning organisation for the rights of all sex and gender diverse people. So um, it's very very inclusive. So you know whether you're transsexual, transgendered, transsexed, uh, TV crossdresser, androgynous, you know, without any sex and gender identity, it's very very inclusive. So we use that broad term sex and gender diverse to be as inclusive as possible. Now I I guess we have a stereotypical view of Australians and and traditionally they wouldn't have been thought as very socially or sexually progressive. Do you think that's fair these days? Um, I think things have changed. I I think probably with the influence of of both Britain and the US and also with technology, you know, the advances of technology such as, you know, we're experiencing now with this podcast, um, it sounds like you're in the next room, I think it really has become a a real global, uh, not marketplace, but, you know, a real kind of global community, if you like. So um, I think everybody's much more aware of what other people are doing. So I think as Australians have become more aware of, you know, the activism and the, you know, the, the situation for, for queer and GLBT people worldwide, um, they, they've sort of come up to date with that and, and taken those things on board or attempted to take those things on board on a local front. Now, as you said, most of your work seems to relate to the position of, of trans people. Um, first of all, can you explain for our other listeners what the legal position is over there in Australia? It's, it's not the same as in the UK, is it? Um, well, it's not the same as in the UK, um, although I know the, in the UK you've had the gender recognition bill, bill where you can uh, change birth certificates. I might just actually pop you on to Tracy, who's sitting next to me, um, because she's sort of a little bit more up on that. And uh, So I'll just pop her on. It won't be a minute. Hello there, Christine Burns. Hello, Tracy, and welcome to Just Plain Sense. Uh, we, I, was just, I was just asking Katrina, the, your work relates mostly to the position of trans people, but the, the legal position isn't the same as in, in the UK. Could you explain how it is in Australia? Uh, um, in Australia, um, trans 
sexual people do have the right to have their birth certificates changed um, if they've had surgery and they can prove that they've, they've had surgery. Uh, we still have the situation here where if people are married before genital surgery, then they can't have their birth certificates changed. So that's the same we, as in the UK? It is at the moment. We have had uh, a major victory about a year or so ago with a, a case where uh, a woman won the right to have her passport changed. I, even though um, she was still married to someone else. So that was quite um, a major victory for us. At the moment, we're involved with a, a, a very big campaign and a project that's going on with what's called the Human Rights Commission here in trying to get the laws changed for most sex and gender diverse people to circumnavigate things like gender recognition bill and have give people the right to self-declare. This is about sex. having other, as another sex and gender category. Yes, but the, the, the also further that people could have the right to self-declare by statutory declaration, declaration that they um, are either male, female, intersex or other. Now, what would be uh, the, the implications of that for things like uh, social security? or uh, you know, Are there differences in, in Australia in terms of, say, the ages at people, which people can retire or the benefits they receive? There still are some at the moment, but they're about to be phased out in a few years' time. Um, but there are uh, uh, difficult situations here because we're so far from everywhere and to get off this island, you need a passport. Mm -hmm. And for many people that don't have a particularly definite sex and gender identity, it leaves them unable to travel. So um, we are really pushing for people not having to declare their sex and gender identity if they don't want to, but just come under this category of other or non-declaratory. Okay, because that's actually allowed within international passport conventions. It, it doesn't just have to be an M or an F on the, on the passport. Yes, Xs. Uh, uh, people can have an X, but for many people who are intersex and actually identify as being intersex, they don't necessarily want an X. They actually want intersex on their document. I see. And uh, has anybody counted or estimated how many transsexual, transgender and intersex Australians there may be? Uh, no, it's been an impossible thing here because Australia is really uh, six states joined together, uh, unlike the UK where you're much further along the road of integration. We're more like America because there are different laws in different states. Well, in, in some ways... I can say in some ways we're, we're coming apart in, in, in England because we, because we are separating out into separately governed countries of England, Wales, right. Scotland and so on. So, uh, so yeah. perhaps we'll, we'll meet you in the middle. Yes, <laughs> sounds about right. But it's, it's very difficult because different people have different rights in different states. And their status in some states is not accepted in other states. So, so when you're talking about these, these advances, are we, are we talking federally, covering all the states, or just individual states? 
Well, we've we've campaigned and pressured for federally because it's really pointless as having a a state-by-state change because um, that just causes greater confusion. Uh, So we are lobbying that it it happens at a federal level. Okay. Um, What what other kinds of support and campaign organisations are there besides yourself? Well, there are. It's a different situation in New South Wales where we are. There's the Gender Centre, which is really unique in the world, actually, because it provides um, uh, over 20 beds, uh, spaces for people who are transitioning, who may have economic difficulty. So it's a residency project where people can stay for up to a year at times, I believe. Uh, it's a great support network. But in other parts of Australia, for instance, Northern Territory, there's nothing because the population is so sparse and uh, social uh, advancement isn't really as culturally diverse as it is in major cities like Melbourne or, or Brisbane or Sydney. Well, actually, that brings me on to another question because I was going to ask you, how do everyday Australians relate to people who are different, like trans people? Uh, I think they're a little confused at times because uh, our campaigning has really pushed the boundaries. Uh, There are different groups of people. There are groups of people who call themselves transsexual, people who call themselves transgendered, and now we have the new label of transsex. Uh, Australians have a motto, you know, uh, give people a fair go. But um, we've had so many years of the uh, the um, Howe government, John, uh, and he was uh, quite right-wing. So with Kevin Rudd, we're just beginning to move somewhat towards the left, which is why we're hoping for very major law changes at the moment. So- it's rather like when... Um, uh, what was that man that just left being Prime Minister in England? Tony Blair. Tony Blair, that was one. When Tony Blair came in uh, after many years of conservative uh, government, uh, there was a, a, a change, a sea change of, of civil rights. And we're now at that stage that England was at many years ago. Mm. I mean, this, this new, it's, it's a socialist government, is it? Um, well, it's slightly different. Could we call it a socialist government? Not really, uh, because it's quite business orientated. But um, like ever, every government, they're really in for their own interests, but they give away freebies. Um, but we're doing quite well with this government so far. There's been huge changes for gay and lesbian people. And fortunately, we have uh, the Human Rights and Equal Opportunities Commission, who is um, continuing with the project. It's about to publish its results in a month's time, which will be pressure on the government to relook at the the issues affecting sex and gender diverse people, and how they are disadvantaged in society, and how the law can be changed. To, to make it more equitable. Okay, you, you mentioned there that there have been huge changes for lesbian and gay bisexual people. What have what those changes been? Well, they're, they're, uh, like pension, for instance, people's um, rights to have uh, the sharing their partner's pension if their partner dies. Um, we've just had a very famous judge here 
who uh, refused to retire until his gay lover was entitled to his pension until if he died. And that, that law has just been changed. We don't have gay marriage yet. We don't. That's still very fearful for a lot of the population. Uh, we're playing with things like civil partnership. Um, but uh, many of the gay and lesbian community are pushing for gay marriage. Uh, for full equal rights, really. Mm. Um, you, you, you mentioned there then sort of, sort of partnership rights arising out, of, I suppose, out of case law. If if you don't have a civil partnership or, or or marriage for same-sex couples, how do you distinguish those 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 case rights uh, for uh, lesbian or gay couples from simply same-sex adults living together who aren't in a in a in an intimate relationship? Well, it's all up in the air at the moment because the way that they're trying to push the law forward is a law of interdependency. So, for instance, it would be de facto for heterosexual couples and there's a a a certain de facto recognition for gay and lesbian couples, uh, but also they're trying to introduce that, say, for instance, if two sisters were living together Mm -hmm. and they had joint assets and one died, then the other would be entitled to inheritance rights with no tax penalties. So it's closer towards that, that, movement of interdependency within the within social structure so that the government doesn't have to pick up the tab if one partner or dependent is left disadvantaged mm, which and is, i'm just going to hand you over to katrina okay. because she is uh, the mega gay journalist who knows all these things <laughs> <laughs> hi christine hello yeah, again with the, with the interdependency thing that Tracy was talking about, it's actually quite controversial within the sort of gay and lesbian community. Um, you know, some are quite happy with it, um, and I think a lot of the sex and gender diverse community are happy with it because it's kind of genderless. Mm. Um, but a lot of gay and lesbian people are unhappy because they're saying by by extending it to, you know, say to the example of two sisters that Tracy gave, it's sort of desexualizing, um, you know, or deromanticizing, if you like, gay and lesbian relationships. And but what they is, actually want is it, for them to be recognised in the same way as a heterosexual romantic relationship so it's a little controversial the interdependency route isn't it isn't it a good thing in a way though because the the underlying argument for why uh we should extend uh partnership rights to to gay and lesbian couples is because of the of the the social factor of 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 people looking after each other well, exactly. I mean, that's that's the argument. But, but um, you know, but the, there is a, a a movement within the gay and lesbian community that you know are quite adamant that they simply want a, a sort of replica of the heterosexual male-female romantic relationship. Um, whereas, you know, yes, the interdependency thing literally covers it covers gay people, it covers straight people, it covers you know non-romantic relationships, and it's uh, you know it, 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 you don't get bogged down with that same sex um, argument. You know, the same sex entitlement. Um, because you know, what if you've got someone who's sex and gender diverse who doesn't have a sexual gender? So this is, it is actually mm. much more inclusive. You're quite right, um, but you know that there are people that don't share that that viewpoint. Now, now we know from experience in Britain that it's one thing to change the law; it's another thing entirely to change people's behaviours. So, in mm. spite of all these developments, is there much discrimination in Australia? 
Um, look, I mean, Tracy and I have been living in Sydney, and I think, as she, she mentioned, you know, with, with kind of big cities <clears throat> like that, uh, they tend to be much more, you know, diverse, mm. um, you know, sort of multicultural. People have travelled, um, uh, and so, they're, you know, they're, they're a lot more tolerant. But having said that, I mean, yes, there is discrimination. I mean, a friend of mine who's a trans woman um, who's uh, got her own rock band um, was telling me, you know, recently that, you know, she'd be walking along the street and she'd have young kids, you know, and people just shouting, literally shouting abuse at her. Um, so certainly there is, and, and I think you're right, you know, certainly you can change the laws, and uh, but it's changing the minds is something different. When um, the article appeared in the national press about the, uh, the Human Rights and Equal Opportunities Commission um, pushing to have the uh, category of other, uh, one of the national newspapers, which I suppose will probably be on a par with, say, something like the Express or the Mail in England, um, sort of had the little editorial section, and the headline was Social Lunacy. Um, and, you know, they kind of really you know we're saying why on earth are we you know fighting for this surely there's more important things and we're very sarcastic about it so you know but I think you know changing the law is always a good step in the right direction um, to, to at least kind of try and focus people's opinions to say to them well even though you think this legally you can't you know legally you can't behave in this manner and I, I suppose down the track it, you know hopefully things will, will get better I mean there's certainly less discrimination than say I mean you probably know that you know than I don't know, 20 odd years ago for, towards trans people. I mean, a lot of people kind of know the terms a bit now or they may know someone who's transitioned or know someone who knows someone. Um, but you're always going to get your pockets of bigots who, you know, just can't really cope with it and uh, are going to be naff. But uh, well, yeah, what can you do there? I mean, are, are there any prominent trans or gay people in, in, the, uh, in the Australian media? In the media, uh, mm. what do you mean, like working well, as journalists, you mean? Well, I suppose both working as journalists or perhaps uh, having uh, entertainment acts or appearing in soap operas. Um, we haven't really got an equivalent of Hayley um, in Coronation Street here. To be honest, Tracy and I don't really watch many Australian programmes or soaps. We tend to watch the British and the American <laughs> ones. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Should I get in trouble? Um, not to that extent. I mean, you've got people like, for example, Carlotta, who's a sort of TV personality. Um, she um, ran clubs years and years ago um, called Les Girls, um, which were basically trans women sort of doing drag, um, and, and they still do it even though they're trans women and some of them have had, had the operation um, you know they, they still um, do these kinds of shows um, there's also Carmen who's fabulous uh, Carmen's uh, originally from New Zealand but she's lived in Sydney since the 50s she's worked as a, a hooker and a cabaret star she's worked for the mafia I mean she's absolutely fabulous she's so colourful she's in her 70s and she always dresses really really colourfully I mean you just can't miss her she's so inspiring and absolutely lovely and she's a real sort of personality you know who, who a lot of people know so yes there, there are those uh, some some people in in you know that sort of public arena um but yeah not in terms of soaps because i mean i mean obviously Haley must i would imagine have gone a long way to you know uh, smashing stereotypes of trans people because she's a very down-to-earth character i don't think we're quite there uh, on that front in australia i think the trans 
uh, kind of public face of trans is still a bit sort of over the top camp, maybe a little bit associated more with drag here than. Uh, but you know, look, we're, we're, there are moves to, to change that, I think. But um, there's nobody really prominent. I mean, there's a, a politician, Louise Pratt, who's a, a lesbian, and her partner um, transitioned. He's a trans man, and mm-hmm. um, that they went public with that to sort of help educate people. So it's definitely sort of getting there. And uh, Tracy was actually on the television television tonight. Um, nothing to do with trans issues, actually. To, it was to the... Um a major uh, television show came to um, ask, get some comments from her about uh, a recent report on where women with hourglass figures um, have more higher sex drives or something, or have more affairs. It's something quite bizarre, um, and they just sort of contacted Tracy as um, a clinician. And I mean, it's you know, it's very well known. And I think Tracy's very out as a trans woman. So whether mm. they knew or not, we don't know. But um, so yes, yeah, sort of getting there, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I, I guess that's a mark of equality isn't it when when people are actually being featured in the mainstream for something other than their their, their, their yeah. gender or their sex sexual exactly. orientation exactly yeah that was really nice well I and mean she looked fabulous <laughs> well if I remember rightly Tracy herself is, is very curvy Tracy is very curvy indeed yes <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I asked Ethan this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I'll ask you, because we're still in the very beginning of 2009, so I suppose it's appropriate to say, you know, looking ahead, you know, what do you think uh, a trans-friendly Australia would actually look like? Uh, you know, what, what sort of things would be different? I might get Tracy to answer that, because I think it might be better coming from her perspective as a trans woman. So okay. I'll just pop her on. Hello there. Can you repeat the question? Yeah, I was just saying that we're at the beginning of 2009. What would a trans-friendly Australia look like uh, in 12 months or 10 years' time? What things would be different? I think we have to go into the education system here. That's the key, really. It's heavily a Catholic country uh, because many of the Irish that came here uh, gave great Catholic legacy and of course we had the Pope visiting recently and uh, half a million I think it was two million people visiting Sydney that day so uh, we have a lot of work to do in the education system with the new with the new generation but also we have a lot of um, problems with people from different ethnic cultures here so because we're a, we're a, a melting pot this country we've got so many different cultures meeting together who have never met together before uh, so it's education uh, the internet is going a long way because people use the internet all the time so they're exposed to so many things I think it'll probably take another generation of uh, very internet exposed people to to be comfortable with just sort of anyone really Do you, is is australia becoming far more multicultural then with the I suppose the the incomers from the far east Oh, we've always been multicultural. I mean, uh, we always had a huge diversity of Europeans and uh, we had a a massive Chinese culture here uh, and we have lots of people from uh, Egypt, from the Arabic countries. So we have uh, we have a whole mishmash of meeting. Not so different from Manchester, I should imagine. Actually, <laughs> just a bit warmer. That's all. <laughs> so looking just looking just just ahead to the immediate twelve months. What are your hopes come the end of this year? 
Our hopes are is that the Human Rights Commission uh, report, which is going on at the moment, will meet our expectations. Uh, we've been very fortunate in that the head of the commission is a blind man who has very good ears and has been listening to what we've been saying and we believe has been taking note. And we've had very, very good rapport with them. And we're just hoping that the, the report that comes out will come up to expectations of giving equal human rights to all sex and gender diverse people, regardless of what historical pieces of paper they happen to have in their handbag uh, through no fault of their own. <laughs> Well, I've been speaking to Katrina and Tracy from Australia from the Sex and Gender Education, SAGE in Sydney. Tracy, would you like to give a plug for your website? Uh, well, for the SAGE website, what is the address for the SAGE website? The SAGE website is www.sageaustralia.com. .org. .org. Sorry, so that, .org. So yes. that's www.sageaustralia.org. Yes, and before I go, could I put in a, a very shameless plug for trans people in love, Tracy and I's new, new book, which is an anthology of uh, um, true stories by trans people and, and their relationships with significant others. There's gay, straight, heterosexual, even a bit of BDSM and lesbian vampire polyamory, and it's absolutely fabulous. And, and it's got... It's, <laughs> It's got a super recommendation on the back from me, if I remember. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much for that. (laughs) Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Just Plain Sense. But I've got several great guests booked in for the next few weeks. So be sure and subscribe to the channel so you won't miss the next episode when it's released. For now, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from Tracy and Katrina in Australia. And thank you for listening. Just Plain Sense is a Plain Sense Limited production.